So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is literally the first chapter of the entire Bible. So if you just open your Bible to the beginning and kind of like inch along, you know, past the preface and the the, uh, translation notes and all that other boring stuff. All the what? Preface? Preface? Yeah, preface. We're all saying preface. (laughs) Preface. Anyways, Genesis chapter 1. So who, I don't know, what are some popular TV series right now? Uh, Stranger Things. Things, My Little Pony, of course. So, so we've all, but we've all watched TV shows, right? Has anyone watched a TV show all the way through? Yes. Okay, yeah, so you've watched a TV show all the way through. What's the first episode called? The pilot, that's right. What is the purpose of a pilot for a TV show? Introduction. Introduction. That's right. When you're watching the pilot for a TV show, they're introducing who are the characters, they're introducing what are the rules of the world, and they're introducing what's like the primary conflict that this is going to be about. Like if you're ever watching The Hobbit, it introduces, you know, Bilbo Baggins, this homebody hobbit. It introduces the world of the, the rules of the world, where it's like you got magic and wizards and fantastical creatures and places. And then it introduces the conflict, you know, Bilbo, who's a homebody, is going to go on this magical, crazy adventure. But the problem is this. Imagine for a moment that you're watching like Lord of the Rings and an hour into the movie, when they're just about to get to Mordor, they like break through the walls. They step into like the office. Like you guys ever seen the office? Imagine if like they go to Mordor, they get into the castle walls and then they walk into the office and now you have like Gandalf and Bilbo and Frodo like doing desk work and selling paper. That'd be a little bit weird, right? It'd be weird. Like, that's, it doesn't fit, right? That's not the world they're in. But by the same token, if you were watching The Office and then all of a sudden, like, Gandalf breaks in and starts having a battle with the Balrog in the middle of the workday, like, that wouldn't make sense. Because the rules of that series don't mix. Like, does that make sense? So the beginning of a story, it sets the scene, it sets the characters, it sets the important stuff. The beginning of the story is what the rest of the story is built on. It's the foundation. And today, we are going to talk about the beginning of our story. We're going to talk about what are the rules in the world that we're in. What is the struggle that this world, that all of history is dealing with, and who are the characters? And so that is in the book of Genesis. Now, Genesis chapter 1 through 3 are considered the most dense and important chapters in the entire Bible. And I agree with that statement. Personally, I have spent more time studying Genesis 1 through 11 than any other portion of the Bible. It is so dense and important. It forms the foundation for everything else. When we were doing our sexual purity message, like last year or so, we talked a ton about Genesis chapter 2. When we did our gender lesson, we talked a bunch about Genesis chapter 1. When we talk about murder, when we talk about being made in the image of God, when we talk about loving each other, when we talk about salvation, there is so much that comes right back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 through 3, I should say. So, The thing about Genesis chapter 1 through 3 is that you need to understand it is historical. This is God giving his eyewitness account and saying, this is how I made the world. So there is a sense in which this actually happened. And it actually matters a lot because like God says it, we believe it. And personally, like as someone, it's very important for me to be able to identify who is a Christian and who is not a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you are a 
What are you? If you're a Christian, you are a? Missionary. missionary. Yeah. So if you are a missionary, if you are a Christian, then you're supposed to be looking at people and thinking, okay, this person is not a Christian. My goal is their conversion. Or this person is a Christian. My goal is their encouragement. I'm trying to help that person be stronger. I'm trying to love that person versus I'm trying to convert that person. So personally, if someone comes up to me and they say, I'm a Christian, I go to church and I believe in evolution. My assumption is that they are not a Christian. It's not a salvation issue. So it's like there are Christians that believe in evolution. It's possible. But generally speaking, I'm going to have to see some serious evidence of faith for me to take that and be like, okay, you're a Christian. So this is not a minor issue. And the historical aspect of this is major. It's really major. But I have a professor that said that Genesis 1 through 3, the least important aspect of Genesis 1 through 3 is the history. And I agree with that statement. It's really important. It's a big deal. Like, this actually is what happened. But also, it is the least important thing in this chapter. This chapter deals with so much. It lays the groundwork for so much. We are not even going to scratch the surface of the important aspects of this chapter. But we are going through a three-part series on Genesis 1 through 3. Today is Genesis 1. Next time is Genesis 2. Time after that is Genesis 3. And the reason that we're doing this right now is, remember when I had you guys fill out those surveys about the series that you wanted to do? One of the most common requests that I got was a series on dating. This is a preface to the series on dating. We are doing Genesis 1 through 3 because you cannot understand dating without Genesis 1 through 3. And then we're going to do a five-part series on dating. We're going to talk about who you should date. We're going to talk about when you should date. We're going to talk about what marriage is. We're going to talk about what kind of guy you should be interested in. We're going to talk about what kind of girl you should be interested in. We're going to have all kinds of fun. But all of that is rooted in an understanding of Genesis 1 through 3. So we're starting with this, and this, this is the prerequisite before we get into dating. But anyways, I'm giddy. I'm excited. This is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. We're going to get into it, but I'm just going to start reading. So, so in Genesis 1-1, I am amazed that that just happened. Genesis 1 through 2, 3. So Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 3. 1, 1, Yep. Yep. That was weird. All right. So Genesis 1, 1. If you want to follow along, please do. I'm going to put a helpful, helpful graphic up there. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that's pretty baller right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're not even going to start to talk about what that means. Anyways, verse 2. <laughs> The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here we are in the beginning of the world. It's in darkness. It's chaotic. It's unformed. And then, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And the God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day. Which, in case you're wondering what that means, it means that there was evening, there was morning, the first day. Now then. <laughs> yep. Um, so, this is kind of epic. Like, I, one of the things I want you guys to do, I remember when I was in youth group, the first time I was reading through these chapters, it was so hard to actually imagine what this must have been like. And... I want you to imagine 
that you're just in the beginning before anything else exists. You're floating in the ether. You can't see anything because there's no light to see. You can't feel anything because there's no air. There's no wind. There's no smells. There's no tastes. There's nothing. You're just floating in nothing. And then all of the sudden, just bursting out of nowhere is this extraordinarily bright light. It's blinding you and you're feeling the heat coming from it. Like imagine, try to put yourself into the creation account. Try to imagine what this would have looked like. And then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So the first day, God creates light and darkness. He creates day and night. The fundamental way that we measure time, God makes that. The second day, he makes the sky. And then he made... Yeah, he made the sky. And in verse 9, it said, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called the sea. And God saw that it was good. So now he's making the dry land. He's making the sea in verse 11. And God said, Let the, ver- let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So I'm going to stop real quick. And we're going to read the whole thing basically, and then I'm going to give you all the important stuff. But this is awesome. So first of all, day one, two, and three. You have light and darkness, you have the skies and the sea, and then you have the dry land and vegetation. So if you're trying to memorize the six days of creation, you only actually need to memorize three of them. Because the second three days are God building on the first three days. So God makes light and darkness, God makes the sky, God makes dry land, and then in the fourth day, Honestly, I don't actually need to read the rest of that. I'm just going to tell you what's being said. Read it later. So, day one, God makes light and darkness. He makes day and night. Day two, God makes the sky and the sea. Day three, God makes the dry land and vegetation. After God's done that for the first three days, he builds on those first three days, the second three days. In the fourth day, God makes the sun, moon, and stars. So we've already made light and darkness, but now God is making the things that are going to have those tethered to them. We now have light sources. We have a portion of the day that's governed by the sun, a portion of the day that's governed by the moon. And then in day five, God builds on the sky and sea. God makes sea creatures. He makes birds. So he populates what he made on day two. And then on day six, God populates what he made on day three. On day three, God made the dry land and he made plants. And then on day six, God makes every land creature. So this is the day that cows were made. This is the day that dogs were made. And this is the day that people were made. So now we're going to get back into this. In verse 24, in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the livestock And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And if we skip down in verse 31, and God, saw, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So, that's a fat load of Bible that I just shoved down your face like something that, you, I don't know, pizza? What do you eat fast? What do you eat fast? Uh, burger. Burger, yep. I just crammed that down your face like a burger. Ice cream? Ice cream? Yeah, man, I'm down. So, a, a lot of times, the first, what? <laughs> so a lot of times, the first time that you read this, it's kind of easy to miss. Like, there's a lot of things that are just repeated. What are some things that you kept hearing repeated while we read that? Morning and evening. One day, morning and evening. A second day, morning and evening. A third day. That's one of the things. Yeah, right, guys? It means eons. Anyways, God said, that's another one. How is God making this stuff? He's speaking. Like, think about the image that's being portrayed here. Have you ever seen, like, a movie where you have a king walk in, and the king doesn't even do anything? He just tells other people what to do. He says, Joe, get me a sandwich, and five seconds later, a sandwich magically appears in his lap. Or he says, yeah, kill that guy, and then five seconds later, that guy is magically decapitated. Like, that kind of thing, where you say it, and it gets done. Like, think about the authority and power that that's communicating. Like, how powerful is God? Like, look around you, man. Look at how big this universe is. Look at how complex this universe is. Like, something that I love thinking about is think about all the complexity that exists. Like, over the time that people have been studying things, we discovered things like organs. You're like, wow, okay, you've got a heart, you've got a liver, you've got stomach. I don't know what most of this stuff does, but that's a lot of stuff. And then you give it later and you're like, oh man, cells exist. You kind of get smaller, you start getting microscopes and you're like, all of this crazy complex stuff that I was seeing, it actually gets more complex. And you get into cells and then you get lower than cells and you start looking at organelles, you start looking at DNA, you start looking at the mitochondria, which the mitochondria is... The powerhouse of the cell. So you get smaller and you're like, man, I thought the body was complicated, but these cells are insane. And then you get lower than that. And it's like you start seeing molecules and you're like, man, I thought the cells were complicated, but molecules. And then you get lower than molecules and you're like, atoms. And then you start learning about electrons and then you start learning about protons and neutrons. And then you go lower and you start learning about quartz. And you just keep going through. Oh my goodness, quartz hill, yeah. So, and like, have you ever thought about how wildly complicated life is? How wildly complicated the universe is? God made that by talking. 
But then it's not even just how complicated and how small things are, but you expand out. Look at the earth. The earth is huge. Look at ecosystems. Look at animals. Look at the, the relationships between people. Look at the different planets in the solar system. Look at the stars. Look at the galaxies. Look at the universe. God is big. God made such a big universe, and all of those stars and planets and galaxies are made out of molecules. They're made out of atoms. They're made out of all of these different things. And so you learn so much about God from the fact that he made that by talking. Is God pretty powerful? powerful. Yeah, right? It's a bit of an understatement. (laughs) Not pretty powerful. God's brutally powerful. Like, how cool is that? It's an overwhelming amount of power. He spoke this into existence. But here's the other thing. When you make something, do you own it? Yes. Depends. Yes. It's a fat yes. You could give it away, but when you make it, it's yours, right? So does God own the world? Yeah, it's a fat yes, right? So one of the things that we learn about this that's so important is that because God created the world, God owns the world. When you, when you own something and you made something, do you get to decide what to do with it? Yeah, like if I have a fork that I made, if I want to, I can melt that sucker down. If I want to, I can use it as a comb to comb my hair, right? Like I have prerogative, right? So if God made the world... Does God get to tell the things in the world what to do? Does God get to do what he wants with it? You know, God made you. And that's kind of one of the things that we learn from this. God made us. And in the same way that God owns the entire universe and everything in it, if we just argue from the greater to the lesser, God owns you. One of the important things that we see from this is that God gets to tell us what to do. Like this is one of the most foundational realities of the world. Does God have the authority to tell me what to do? That's a fat yes. He made you. He owns you. And that's kind of a weird thing for us to think about. We always talk about like, oh, you know, I own my body. I get to make my own decisions. I get to do my own things. You know, I am entirely my own. And one of the most foundational realities is that God gets to tell us what to do. But then there's actually something else. Have you ever like, you know how courts, there's lower courts and higher courts? No. So it's like, you know, if, you, if you're in like the California courts, you can appeal to the person above them, right? Have you guys ever heard of that? Who knows what the Supreme Court is? Because now I have questions. California or of the entire United States. Who knows what the Supreme Court is? <sighs> okay. I thought I was going to be able to use that example. I guess I can't. You guys all for sure know what the Supreme Court is. Please tell me you know what the Supreme Court is. I'm feeling kind of sad. You know what the government is? Okay. So, so you know like when you get to the Supreme Court, is there a higher court than the Supreme Court? In the, in the United States of America, is there a higher court? The Constitution itself. Yeah. Kind of. I mean like courts. Like, there is no, like, if the Supreme Court says no, is there a higher person you can appeal to? No. So, I want you to think about this. Is God, you know, God is outside of the universe. God made the universe. There's nothing else that existed before God made the universe. God's the only thing that existed, right? Is there a higher court than God? 
If you don't like what God says about something, is there someone that you can go to, like you can tattle on God's dad or something? Yeah, is there a higher court to appeal to? Right? Like, yeah, three to five business days. So that's another thing. Not only does God own the world and get to tell us what to do, but there is no higher court than God. God is objectively moral. He is the standard, right? So that's all really heady kind of stuff. But that's like really important when you think about, you know, things like morality. What is moral? Well, it's what God tells you to do because God chooses what's moral. But I'm actually going to, I'm going to skip past that. And I'm going to talk to you about something else. What does it mean that man is made in the image of God? And the thing is, there's like a lot of debate and conversation to be had about what exactly that means. But let's just talk functionally. What's worth more? A person or a tree? Like if a person needs a house and there's a tree that you can cut down to build them a house, do you cut down the tree? So yeah, yeah, you do. Because the person's more valuable than the tree. Well, how about this? What's more valuable, a person or a cow? If a person needs to eat some food and there's a cow over there that they can eat, do you kill the cow? Well, here's the thing, man. If it weren't for the fact that I'd get killed, I would 100% eat a hamburger in India. Anyways. But like... Oh, yeah, 100%. If I was starving, I'd be my dog. That's easy, yeah. So here's the thing. Would you say, like, there's a difference between people and animals, right? You are free to make that decision. No, yeah, Taylor's vegetarian. I'm a veggie. Hello. For, how about this? For every animal you don't eat, I'll eat too. That's you know how we have Sorry, Jackson, not to disappoint you. All right, guys. So, let's talk about some stuff. So, being made in the image of God. Like, think about this. Think about how awesome and powerful God is. Is this piece of paper like God? No. Is that chair you're sitting on like God? No. Is your dog like God? No. Are you like God? No. Yes. yes. So that's actually a yes. We are made in God's image. Like, think about how brutally amazing God is. We are made in God's image. Like, God took a step back from his creation and he said, I want to make something like me. Which, that's what gives you value. Like, did you know that what makes a person valuable is the fact that they bear the image of God? Like, that's actually what supplies your value. Like, for example, if you had a choice, if we had like, if we just took every single dog in the entire world and put it right here in a pile and we took a single person and put it right here, if you had a choice between killing one of those two things, killing one person or every dog in the world, which is more valuable? The person... I would do that even if I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so... <laughs> Chihuahuas, man, they're embarrassing. Anyways, but... Like, think about, so think about that. One person is more valuable than every animal in the world. Right? Like, that's pretty major. But think about this, too. Like, let's just try to conceptualize this. 
Who knows, like, angels? Who's ever read those Bible stories about angels? What do angels typically do when they show up on the scene? Freak people out. They typically freak people out. Angels are like these crazy, powerful, majestic beings where every time they show up, they have to be like, hey, don't fear, I'm your friend. Who is more similar to God, you or an angel, would you say? Me? Yes. This is something that typically is kind of harder for people to wrap their mind around. You are more similar to God than an angel is. Did you know that an angel has more in similar with a worm than it does with you? Did you know that the distance in value between you and an earthworm is approximately the same as the value between an angel and you? Like, have you ever heard someone say, you know, when I die, I want to I become an angel? I would not want to die and become an earthworm. Like, think about this. Do you know that the Bible says that when you are in heaven, you're going to judge angels? You are worth more than angels. You are more like God than angels. There is as much distance between an angel and you as there is between you and God. That's insane. Like, that's so hard to wrap our minds around. But that's what it means to be made in the image of God, which think about all the different ways that that comes into play. If, if, if you look at every single person and you see someone who bears the image of God, what happens to racism? Is a person more or less valuable because of the color of their skin? No, because they're in the image of God. Is a person, I mean, here's another one that's kind of major. Let, let's just reread chapter 1, verses 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Are, are you any more or less valuable than a person who's a different gender? Am I more valuable than Jackson? <laughs> of course not, because we're both men. Um, am I more valuable than... <laughs> am I more valuable... Yeah, let's pick Lily. Am I more valuable than Lily? No. Because me and Lily... Me and Lily are equally image bearers of God. So if you're reading this verse, do you have people that look down on women if they understand what it means to be made in the image of God? No. Because when you look at someone who's made in the image of God, me and you have equal value. You, you'd get rid of racism. you get rid of sexism. Do, do, if, like there are so many things that I could talk about with this, but this is foundational. If you understand who God is and you understand what it means to be made in the image of God, like who's read the Declaration of Independence? What's the foundational thing that the Declaration of Independence opens with? We the people. We the people? We the people hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Our country is founded on the idea of people being made in the image of God. Like, I can't talk enough about that. But also, you guys remember when we talked about our gender lesson? What was the verse I had you read? This one! Because in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. This is foundational. What is the foundational distinction between people? Male and female, right? Is it black and white? 
Is it black, white, Asian, Filipino? Uh, what are other races? We are yeah. They're <laughs> like, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I missed it. All right. So the only distinction that exists is male and female, but that's not a value distinction. Male and female are equally made in the image of God, which there are so many things that we can talk about with this. I'm not even getting to the beginning of it. But this is about how you look at the world. I usually refer to Genesis 1 through 11 as the foundation of the Christian worldview. If you want to look around and understand what you see, Genesis 1 through 11. But what we've already learned is that God is brutally powerful. God owns the world. God is the objective standard. God gets to tell you what to do. People are valuable. I am more valuable than a dog. I typically ask people, I'll say, hey, if you had a choice between like football style, like punting a person or a dog off of a cliff, which one would you like, you know, football style kick off the cliff? So I've, I, I asked these people this. So people will generally say, I would push off the person. What would you like off the mouth? The rock. dog and chihuahua? I don't even need the dog. I don't even need the debate. I'll put a chihuahua. I agree. Anyway. Yeah, right? So, but I'm going to, I'm going to, we, I'm trying to talk to you about like all the specific things that we're gleaning from this, but I want to give you one last thing that you can kind of like think about. So we've talked about who God is. We've talked about God's power. We've talked about God's being the moral authority. We've talked about the value of a person. We've talked about the orderliness of the universe and the grandiosity of the universe, that you can look at the universe and love God. I want to leave you with something. I like watching sunsets. Have you ever, like, think about this. God made the entire world... Is, is there some beautiful stuff in this world? Is there, some, is there some tasty stuff in this world? Yeah. Like, I want you to think about this. God could have made the entire world and then just left it there for himself to enjoy. Here's another thing that we learn about God. God is loving. God made an incredible world. God made a world with mountains and fields and seas and horizons. He made the night sky. He made clouds. He made the stars. He made all of these things that are beautiful. It's not just that the world is complex and big, and it's not just that it tells us so much about God's power and intelligence, but God is like an artist. God made the sunset, and he gave me eyes to see it. I used to take pictures of sunsets and I stopped because it just never matches up to the real thing. God made food that tastes so interesting. God came up with spicy. He came up with sweet. He had to imagine pork loins. God made food and he made food tasty and then God gave you a tongue to taste it. God made Water. God made the ocean. God made hot water and hot springs. He made cold water. And God made it so that you had a body who could enjoy those sensations. God made the world a beautiful, good, pleasurable place. And he gave you a body to be able to enjoy it. Like when you think about what we read back in camp, when I was talking about God made everything to be enjoyed with Thanksgiving, did you know that one of the ways that you worship God is by going and watching a sunset. 
is by eating the food you enjoy, is by taking a cold shower or taking a hot shower or, you know, <laughs> taking, um, like going in a jacuzzi. I'm trying to like, like think about the different things in, in life that are enjoyable. Think about lying on the beach and sunbathing, enjoying the sound of the waves. Think about listening to the voices of birds. Did you know that one of the ways that you worship God is by going and experiencing the world he made and then saying thank you? Like that's one of the ways you worship God. Which think about this. God's not like, hey, I gave you a world with all these enjoyable things, but you need to go sit in the mountains and then whip yourself all the time and then not eat any of the food. Like, the worship of God, God could have been like, the way you're going to worship me is by not enjoying anything I've made. But instead, God's like, I'm going to give you a world that is so beautiful and enjoyable and lovely, and you're going to worship me by enjoying it. Amen. Right? Isn't that awesome? Like, and again, we haven't even scratched the surface of what's in Genesis chapter 1. But the biggest thing that I want you to think about is that God is good. God is loving. God is awesome. And God loves you. Like, creation is an example of the fact that God loves you. God made a good creation, and he put you in it to enjoy it. And we learn things about God's authority. We learn things about the value of life. But when you read the Genesis account, the biggest thing you're supposed to walk away with is just this feeling of, man, God's pretty cool. I need to stop talking because I can keep going. Anyways, let's bow our heads, pray it out. We can do some small groups. Oh my goodness. Lord, thank you for the world. Thank you that you made a world that is so great that it's beyond our comprehension. No single person can understand everything that's happening in the biology of a human body. No one can understand what's happening in a cell. No one can understand what's happening in the, in the molecular level. No one can hold all of that information in their mind at once. We can't fully understand these things, but no one can even comprehend the scale of what you've made. I can't even imagine the size of the sun, let alone the solar system, let alone the universe. It's so big that we can't even conceptualize it. Lord, you've made a good world. You've made a world that demonstrates your power, your intelligence. You've made a beautiful world. You've made sunsets. You've made the songs of birds. You've made the sound of waves. Lord, you've given us a body to enjoy all of that. And I pray that we would. Lord, I pray that we would see the creation account and that we would see a God who is good, that we would see a God who is powerful, that we would see a God who loves us. I pray that we would understand morality, that we would see that you own us and you get to tell us what to do. I pray that we would see the value of people, that we are made in your image, that God, in some way, we are like you. Lord, I pray that we would walk away with just awe. You know, there's a lot of practical application to be gleaned from this, but at the foundation of that is just an understanding of who you are and who we are and the stage that we're in. I pray that as we continue looking at Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, that you would help us to see the beauty of who you are, that we would understand the brokenness of the world we're in, that we would see the conflict of the creation story, that we would start understanding the beginning of the gospel story. Lord, help us to understand it. Help us to see it and value it. And I pray these things in the name of our King Jesus Christ. Amen.